0: Well, good morning, church family. How's everybody doing today? You guys feel excited to be in church? Well, you don't sound like it. (laughs) Come on, can you turn to your neighbor and just say, what's up, neighbor? Give him a big old hug. Give him a high five if you have to. Kiss if it's appropriate, whatever. You feel necessary. I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. You're asking, where's PD and who is this dangerously good-looking spiritual gangster up on stage? Uh, I have the privilege and the honor of giving uh, the message today. I'm so excited. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Devin Fry. Uh, thank you so much for coming to Connect on uh, your busy Sunday. Uh, I pray it's a good investment for you. Uh, I'm so excited to share the word. It's something I know I'm born to do, and I'm called yeah. to do this, and I'm so excited about it. So uh, really fast, I need you to engage with me. Can everybody appreciate and do so, have some engagement today? Yeah. So feel free. You can shout me down. You can say amen, whatever you got to do. Uh, just don't be silent today. Cool. Uh, we often say uh, we don't want to endure, endure church, we want to enjoy church, and I believe uh, that is a conviction in a heart, kind of heart and soul of this church. So one thing I want to say is uh, our pastor, Pastor Derek, my dad, is down south in Florida suffering for the Lord down there. Um, but uh, he's preaching down there and he sends his love. Uh, anybody love their pastor? Anybody love their leaders? Come on. We are so grateful. I count it a huge honor, a huge blessing to be able to share from this pulpit and uh, I've had the privilege and the honor to kind of go around uh, a lot of Massachusetts, really the New England area of the past year, and getting to preach and teach in many different churches. But let me tell you, there's no place like home. Anybody else agree with that? There's no place like Connect Community Church. I mean, I got a little bit of church pride. I got an amen from a dog right there. That's awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. So uh, I'm excited, man. Uh, quick couple announcements. This Tuesday night, we have Leaders Unite. If you're part of the Dream Team, we encourage you to come through. We are rebuking that snowstorm in the name of Jesus. Come on, who wants the snow to be completely eliminated and done? Uh, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Or as Pastor Shannon O'Dell would say, bless God. I love how he did that. But, um, so that's Leaders Unite. Also, uh, if you're a part of the Dream Team, we have free Chick-fil-A that night. Come on, somebody. Man, this is going to be a good day already, I can tell. But uh, we got Chick-fil-A that night, it's going to be a blast. So uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, I am really excited to share a word. I got a good word for you. If you're new to church, uh, know that we kind of always have a conversation around this Bible. Uh, We believe it is a living and active book. It's not just a history book, but this book can change your life if you allow it to. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of share a little word, a a few uh, thoughts with you today. And I believe it's going to be good for you and it's going to be well worth your time and investment. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we are in a series called Microphone. Anybody enjoy last week's message from P.D.? Uh, Dude brought the fire. Absolutely love my dad. And uh, we're basically in this conversation about uh, a microphone. Basically, the mic is always on. It's kind of the tagline. In other words, people are always watching and people are always listening. And so what is your response to that? You know, if you consider yourself a Christ follower or a follower of Jesus, understand that you are always being watched. And I hope you know that today. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 14. Uh, Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house, and if you know anything about Kind of your Bible is that Pharisees and Jesus oftentimes clashed. One thought that Jesus was a hypocrite, saying he was the Son of God, and the Son of God, Jesus was saying, "Y'all don't even recognize the Son of God when he's right in front of your face." And so there's a little bit of tension in this room, and so they invited Jesus over to this to this party, to this uh, banquet, to this uh, a party that they were having. And Jesus basically says, uh, "Listen, he's going to teach him, he's going to give him some principles." But in verse fourteen, uh, verse one, chapter fourteen, Jesus it says. He was carefully watched. People were carefully watching him. And I want to talk about this today a little bit, kind of go in detail of what to do when you're being watched. What to do when you're being watched. Go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then go to verses 13 through 16. 1 and 2 says it like this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach. Now, I find this interesting because Jesus, as a communicator, any communicator uh, loves a big crowd. Why? Because they're really excited about it. This is what I was born to do. I'm really excited that there's a lot of people here. But Jesus does something that was interesting. He sees a crowd, and he says, no, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to see if they're fans or if they're followers. And I love this. This is powerful. Watch this. He says, I'm going to see if they're fans or followers, goes up to the mountainside and watches and tests people if they really want to come for the hype or if they really want the help. So they go up to the mountain, and then he sits down, and he begins to teach, and he teaches these beatitudes. These things are awesome. You've got to read it on your own time, Matthew chapter 5. But we're going to study today Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. This is what Jesus is saying to people. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Somebody just say salt. You are the salt of the earth, but salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then he says, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Somebody say light. Light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to read from a different translation really fast. I want to read out of a message paraphrase because I think it gives a lot of flavor to this. Matthew chapter 5, 13. Again, it says it like this. Let me tell you why you're here. Jesus, again, is speaking to his disciples. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Isn't that beautiful? If you lose your saltiness, how will people get a taste of godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light and bring out the God colors in this world. See, God is not a secret to be kept. Come on. What happens in church does not stay in church. This ain't Vegas, people. Come on, somebody. That'll preach. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, write down the title of the message. If it isn't already there, Salt and Light. I want to preach from that subject today, Salt and Light. Now, something you need to understand about me, uh, you may see uh, this man with white pigment up here, but I am a black Pentecostal preacher on the inside. So I'm going to speak with some passion. Uh, If you guys get hit with spit, don't worry. It's anointed in Jesus' name. Um, (laughs) Laughter. But understand this today, Uh, let's let's grow together. Let's learn together. Can we all commit to that? Awesome. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity that I have to be able to speak to your church. I thank you for Connect Community Church and the people in it, the leadership team in it. God, I pray today you transform us, set us on fire in Jesus' name. Help us today to see Jesus, here from heaven, and to encounter the power of God. Change us, challenge us, and convict us in Jesus' name. And Come on, everybody say it aloud big. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, has anybody in here ever been misunderstood before in their life? The Come on, you guys can tell. Somebody said that all the time. <laughs> uh, I've been misunderstood several times in my life. One particular moment that kind of sticks out in my memory is when I was talking to my mother. My mom and I, uh, we bashed heads a little bit in high school uh, for this one particular thing. Listen, I, you need to know this about me. I love cereal, Okay. I, love, I loved cereal growing up. I was super lazy. All I could do was basically pour a bowl of cereal. That's what I ate in high school, period. Now, I would always tell my mom, Mom, I need you to get me honeycomb, and I need honeycomb tonight. And she goes, young man, don't you ever talk to me like that again? I said, okay, yes, ma'am, sorry about that. She would go off to Market Basket. She would get the groceries. Devin, I got home. Come get the groceries. Come pick them up. I picked up the groceries, put it in the living room, or put it in the pantry, and then I picked out this box. I found it was a family-sized box, so it's a huge box of honeycomb. I'm so hyped. I'm so excited. Turn the box around. It says Honey Bombs. I'm thinking to myself, woman, what did you just do? And then she slapped me in the face, and I repented and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, mom, I said I want honeycomb. You got honey bombs, what are honey bombs? It's the market basket version, Devin. Mom, I don't want the market basket version, it tastes like cardboard, it's disgusting, stop that. And then we had this conversation go on and on and on and it happened with all types of different cereals. I am not kidding you when I say this, this is not an exaggeration. Mom, I want some Fruity Pebbles. Mom, Fruity Pebbles. She comes home, Fruity Boulders, what is this? What are fruity boulders? Like what is this kind of stuff? I'm telling you, this happened all the time. She always got the Market Basket version and it always was disgusting. I'm thinking to myself, mom, this literally is just absolutely disgusting. We're not that poor, mom. Okay, we're trying to save a dollar. We're buying on a budget, sure. But let's get some high quality cereal every once in a while, okay? <laughs> This is this was a big misunderstanding that she always had. I always got frustrated with, and something I think Jesus might get frustrated with us with a little bit, is this misunderstanding we have in this particular text. Listen, he is not saying to us today, he is not saying you could be the salt of the earth, you potentially are the light of the world. He's saying, You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. This is, given, this is God giving us authority and empowering us, saying, you are my answer. You are the solution. Write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. That's the big idea. You are God's answer. I hope you know this today. Come on. Y'all didn't say amen or nothing. You are God's answer. Yeah. Come on. God has given you a burden in your heart. And don't get mad at other people if they don't share the same burden that you have. Why? Because God has placed that in you so that you can be the solution to that problem. You know, you have some burdens, you have some passions, you have some frustrations. You are called to make a difference in that very bent, in that very thing. Feel free to say something back to me, y'all. <laughs> Come on. Man, you are God's answer. I hope you understand this today. Second Corinthians 5.18 literally says it like this. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, he is saying to us, You are the person that is going to provide the solution to the problems that you see. How many know the world is getting darker and darker? How many know the world is kind of decaying? Our moral standard is like rapidly going down in a downward spiral, right? So he says you are salt and you are light. What does salt do? Salt preserves from decay. And what does light do? Preserves from darkness. I hope you get this today. You are salt and you are light. You have to understand this. In the historical context that Jesus was speaking to these people, to these disciples, know that these two things were of high, high value. People, soldiers were actually paid in salt. This was a sense of currency. So they literally were paid in salt. Why? Because they didn't have electricity. They didn't have refrigerators. Could you imagine not having a refrigerator? Like, who loves their refrigerator? (laughs) I love packing my refrigerator with loads of food, even though we're balling on a budget right now. I still love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't need cereal anymore, Kev. Thank God for that, because I got a Brazilian wife, rice, beans, chicken, hallelujah. Anyways, <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. But seriously, like, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have refrigerators. So what did they use? They used salt to preserve their meats. This stuff was really, really, really important. So much so, people were paid with it. They didn't have light. After 5.30, the entire city went dark. Could you imagine what it would be like? We'd be like in the Stone Age nowadays. We have access to these little like light switches. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these things. Light light comes on when you switch them. They're amazing. If we didn't have that, you realize everything would be dark on planet Earth, right? Like they didn't have access to light. How many know these are valuable commodities? And he is saying to you today, Jesus is saying to us today, you are so valuable. You are providing solutions to problems that you may not even see right now, but God is crafting you. He's molding you to be a solution to those problems. Come on, somebody. You're salt and you're light. We are here to make a difference, not just make a living. I hope you get this today. Salt and light. Look at what it says in John chapter 15, verse 16. Let me read it for you. I'm reading an NIV version. This is what it says. It says, you did not choose me, Jesus speaking, but I chose you. You ever heard somebody say, yeah, I found God a few years ago or something like that? Let me tell you, you did not find God. God found you. And then he says, and I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. God has chosen us. As a community, he has chosen us as Connect Community Church to reach our community, to make a difference in our businesses, to make a difference in our school systems, in our families. He has chosen us. You need to take some of that responsibility today. I want to give you just a few takeaways for both salt and light. Something that you need to understand about salt. Number one, if you're taking notes, salt promotes thirst. Salt promotes thirst. Um, anybody ever been to a movie theater before? Is nobody relevant in this room? Come on. <laughs> Uh, I love the movies. I love going out to the movies. One of my favorite things to do and pastimes to do is just go to a movie, unwind, not think about anything, have mindless entertainment just so I can get emotionally stable. Somebody please pray for me. Anyways, um, I love going to the movies. One of my favorite things to do is I go to the movies with my family. And if I'm with my family, my mother specifically, she loves to shove like like Twix in her, in her pockets and like, you know, we have bags of popcorn in our sweatshirts. Stop that. You all do that. Stop that right now. Why? If you go to the popcorn machine at the movie theater, it costs you nineteen thousand dollars. <laughs> right? And I don't know if you guys know this, but when you go to the movie theater, they're like, Hey, you can get a small for fourteen ninety five or you can get a large for fourteen ninety six. I'm like, this this the difference is is cra- okay, I'll get a large. You know what? They do this unintentionally. You go into the theater, I consume it as fast as I possibly can. Some people, you got to look at people, it's just fun to people watch in movie theaters because they look like savages eating popcorn. <laughs> and you know who you are if you're in this room. The person that laughed, that's probably them right there. <laughs> Anyways, I consume popcorn at a ridiculous rate, very fast. Five, ten minutes in, the popcorn's gone. And all I can think about right now is, Whoa! i am dying of thirst why because the popcorn is just so consumed with salt and sodium naturally it just wets the appetite of the person that's consuming it this is the life of a christian it should wet the appetite of people for the things of god that is what we are to do literally promote thirst for people you know i love it says in john i believe it's chapter 7 jesus is speaking he says come to me all who are thirsty friends Do you make people hungry and thirsty for the things of God, for God himself, for Jesus? Do you? Because you need to understand this today. You are either leading people to Jesus or deterring them from him. There is no middle ground. There is no such thing as neutral. You're either leading people to him or from him. Are you making people thirsty for the things of God? I wrote down four things really fast to promote thirst. Just from my own personal devotions, you can write these down if you want to. Number one, you promote thirst for the way you speak. The way you speak. How do you talk about people? What does your, vo- your vocal inflection sound like? What does your tone sound like? Are you a negative person or are you a positive person? See, I just think a natural result of understanding this great gospel is just you are optimistic. Why? Because Jesus took my death. I am not supposed to be here right now. Naturally, I am a grateful person. I'm a thankful person. Is there anybody in here that's thankful for the grace of God, for the love of God, for the mercy of God? Come on, I'm thankful today. That should be reflected in your speech. Y'all, we got to talk about the things of God. I am so sick and tired of seeing people back down away from their faith. Listen, take it from this young person that loves Jesus. Stop backing down. Start speaking up. Come on. Start speaking up. We got to be loud about the things of God. Listen, if the world is loud about their sin, I'm going to be loud about my Jesus. I will be loud about him, no questions asked. How do you talk? How do people, when people listen to you, are you speaking about the things of God? Are you promoting thirst? Are you promoting hatred, negativity? Let me tell you something right now. Um, A lot of times people back down They don't speak up about their God, but they speak up about their political opinion, about their own personal agenda, their own businesses. Listen, you are not supposed to be here right now. Your life was bought with a high, high price, a price you could not pay. We got to start speaking up about our Jesus. Come on, somebody. We got to start speaking up. Second thing I wrote down is just this, is the way you love. How do you promote thirst? The way you love. The way you love the people that love you, but I'm telling you, people are watching the way you love people that don't love you or the people that do wrong to you, or do evil to you. People are watching that kind of stuff. Like I hope you understand this today. If you carry the name of Christ, understand this, people are watching everything you do. How you handle tough situations and tough circumstances. How you respond to that, how do you love people through that? How do you love them? Uh, Just a little practical thing. Anybody uh, in here, just ask a question. Anybody ever met a weird Christian before? (laughs) Apparently you have, okay great. We're all in the same room. Um, There are some people that just misrepresent the cause of Jesus. And I got personal issue with that. I'm going to be honest, and it's going to get a little raw for a second. There are some people that are so, you probably heard this statement before, uh, they are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I would say we should probably flip it. We are so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. But the cliche cliche still remains true. In other words, saying this. Some people are so head in the clouds that they are deterring people away from God, which is the very thing they're not supposed to do. Y'all, understand this. There's this thing called PDA. Anybody ever heard of it before? Public display of affection. Listen, I'm not going to take you into my bedroom with my wife. Why? Because that is for me and my wife. Hello, right? That's for me and my wife. But I don't mind holding my wife's hand, kissing her in front of you guys. Why? Because I love her, but there's a certain place and a time. You've got to understand this. There are people that are watching you at all times, and you can make people, because of your love for God, in the right and proper context, you have to place that love. You've got to get this today. PDA, like know the proper context in the place where you showcase love. The fourth thing I wrote down really fast is how you respond to things. There's this principle I love to live by, which is grace under pressure. Grace under pressure. When you're going through tough stuff and trials and trouble, how are you responding to that? Because I'm telling you, you got more eyes than you normally do when you're going through a tough time. How are you responding to pressure? Because people are watching how you respond. Are you cussing all the time? Are you angry all the time? Are you lashing out at people all the time? Because you are not characterizing the character of Christ. And I'm telling you, this is a hard thing. I get that. That's, that's hard to do when you, all you do is see red. But friends, take a moment. Breathe a little bit. How you respond, people are watching at all moments in all times. Amen? Amen? Salt promotes thirst. Second thing salt does, salt enhances flavor. Salt enhances flavor. What salt can do, what seasoning can do, is literally make bland food, great food. Come on, somebody. One thing I've learned just being in the Brazilian community is they put salt and seasoning on Everything. I'm talking like everything, y'all. Like, like, I think their clothes have salt and seasoning on it. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of confused by it. And they have hot sauce for everything, too. You guys know that kind of stuff? I, I can't remember what it's called. What's it called? Taba- what is it, just Tabasco? The yeah, they put hot sauce on everything. Seriously, it's, it's really good, though. Uh, anyways, so like salt just enhances flavor. In other words, what salt does is it brings out what was already in there. Let me preach this for a minute. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 literally says, "It brings out the God, salt brings out the God flavors of the earth. Now, something I want to teach you guys for a second is this. Is start speaking. You can write this down in your notes if, if you take notes. Start speaking to people's potential and not to their behavior. Parents, this is really good for you guys. I'm telling you, as a son, this is what my parents did to me. They spoke to my potential and not to my circumstance or to my behavior. Friends, what we're supposed to do as Christians is bring out the potential in people. Any situation a Christian is in should enhance that environment. Every place a Christian should be always should get better and better, more and more joyful, more and more exciting. Leadership and wisdom should be there because a Christian is there. I just believe this. I'm kind of old school. But Christians should be the best at everything. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in us. The spirit of God lives in us. Come on. That is what we are to do, enhance every environment that we are in. I love what my parents did. I love what my mentors did and my pastors did to me. They always spoke to me. When I, if you guys knew who I was, I'm going off topic for a little bit, but this is going to be good for you. Uh, if you guys knew who I was, when I was when I was in high school, when I was even a little bit in college back in the day, I was depressed, angry, hateful. Uh, I, I was just full of rage all the time. If you guys knew who I was, I'm telling you, you'd think it's a miracle that I'm up here and able to teach people nowadays. It's crazy. But what they did was they always spoke to my potential. They always drew it out of me. They said, Devin, you have so much potential. Devin, you are a leader. My dad would say, Devin, do you know who you are? Devin, Dad, what what kind of dumb question is that? No, Devin, you're a fry. Come on, you're a fry. You're a leader. You don't respond the same way people do. That's what they always kept saying to me. They said, Devin, you got so much potential. And I'm telling you, it was was a holy terrorizing thought that I had for years. Literally, I would always say, okay, I am so sick and tired of people saying I have potential, I need to start walking into this potential. You start speaking that to your children, parents, you start speaking that to some of the people in your businesses, business leaders. I'm telling you, watch the potential come out of them. That is what a Christian is to do. Draw out the potential in people. Come on, this is what we are to do as Christians and as believers. Is there anybody that agrees with that in here? Draw it out. Come on, speak life into people. Speak hope into people because people need it. Y'all, people will never believe in themselves until somebody first believes in them first. Believe in somebody. Just say that phrase. I am so grateful for people and mentors like Pastor Deeds, like my dad, like Jason, Brian, people that just said, I believe in you, Devin. I believe in you. You start saying that to somebody who maybe not reflects any of that kind of good character or good behavior. You just say, I believe in you. Watch what God will do through that situation because you spoke life and enhanced that environment. That's better preaching than you're responding to. I'm going to go on to the next point, but I'm still having fun by myself. <laughs> Anyways. Salt enhances, salt enhances flavor. I want to make sure I didn't forget anything. Let me ask you this question. This is a really good internal question you could ask yourself, ask a spouse for you. My dad said this in our staff meeting this past week. He says, how do people feel around you, with you, or when you left them? How do people feel when you're, they're around you, with you, or when you left them? Uh, a great illustration I would kind of use for this is, you ever gotten a phone call from an unknown number? Or from a number that you know and you see their caller ID, you're like, nope, not picking that person up, right? Is that just me? (laughs) It's not just me. Stop, you're a liar. Um, I'm just playing. You're not sort of. I probably are. Um, But, like, seriously, when somebody calls you, you get that caller ID, you're just like, nope, not picking that up. Why? It's because how they made you feel before. Maybe you think they're going to try and correct you. Maybe they think from the last conversation you all had. How do people feel when they see your caller ID? how do they feel? Because that's a great indicator. Are you enhancing their environment? Are you deterring them from their future and their potential? How do they feel? Christians enhance environments. I hope you get that today. Uh, switching on to light. Light. This is what light does. Light provides vision for people. Write that down in your notes. Light provides vision. See, people need to see Jesus in and through you. In you, they need to see something. They need to see something that's different. But they also need to see it through your behaviors and your actions. There's a beautiful, powerful story in Acts chapter 9. Many people know this as the story of Saul and the conversion of Saul. And uh, it's such a brilliant story. You've got to study it on your own. I'm telling you, this Bible works Monday through Saturday, by the way. Really good stuff. You should try it sometime. Um, anyways. But like it's it's just really good. This story is so powerful. Saul has this miraculous encounter with Jesus. His intention and his motivation was to go into Damascus and kill and murder Christians. This is what he did on a regular basis. He thought he was serving God. He was actually persecuting God. He had no idea. Jesus personally reveals himself to Saul. Shows him. Shows him who he was. Shows him his glory. Saul falls off of his horse. Scales over his eyes. Once he has scales over his eyes, people drag him into Damascus. He goes to this person house named Ananias. Now, Ananias often gets overlooked in this story, but man, this is a powerful man of God. Jesus is speaking to Ananias behind the scenes. He's saying, hey, I want you to take care of Saul of Tarsus. He goes, Saul of Tarsus? I- I'm pretty sure that guy's the one that kills people like me. He goes, yeah, that's the guy. I want you to take care of him. There's a whole story in there by itself, just allowing sinners and your enemies to be in your own household. Whole different story for another time. But, but Saul comes into Ananias' house. Ananias shows Uh, Paul and Saul, his love for God and his love for him, lays hands on him, scales fall off his eyes. Literally, he provides vision for him physically, but also in a spiritual sense. Now, I want you to get this. Saul shows him his unconditional love, and he says, I love you, but he also shows it by praying for him. People need to see it and not just hear it. They need to hear it and not just see it sometimes, too. You need to understand this. There are some things that are taught and there are some things that are caught. People just need to see what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to be somebody that loves life, to be somebody that loves the Lord. Some people just need to see it, y'all. They just need to see it. I remember uh, it was a few months ago. I was sitting right up front here and the worship team was going and the music was going and and i was just getting lost to worship closing my eyes lifting my hands and my sister madison taps me on the sofa she says dev look at willow down the road look at willow down the row and uh, willow i consider her a little niece to me uh, jason and lilia goslin's little girl she's so beautiful so pretty i love this little girl and she was just staring at me watching me in worship she was just watching me and i looked at her made eye contact she smiled she looked away 15 20 seconds later i kid you not no exaggeration closed her eyes lifted her hands in worship she just starts worshipping Man, I be—I'm telling you, I'm a sob nowadays. I cry at everything nowadays. I just start crying. I'm like, "Oh my God!" I'm oh like, you know, you know that cry that's like <laughs> that one. That was the one I did right there. But some people just need to see it. They need to see what it looks like to be in love with God, to be in love with life. Is there anybody in here that just loves life? Come on, I'm so sick and tired of seeing people that are like, oh, life is tough. Life is, life is stressful. Yeah, it's going to be that way for a long time. But listen, joy is not dictated by my circumstances. Happiness is. I got the joy of the Lord, and that is my strength. Is there anybody in here that says, I'm thankful to God for the joy that he has given me? I'm thankful for it. Come on. Light provides vision. It gives hope to people. You know how bad people need hope nowadays? Do you guys, like, honestly agree with that? Like, people need hope. And you can give it to them. You are the answer to their problem. You can literally provide hope for people. Why? Because you can point people to the cross. And you can point people to Jesus. The last thing, indeed, you can come on up here. This is what light can do. Light attracts. Light attracts. you getting something out of this? Light attracts. Light attracts. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched, uh, I think it's A Bug's Life, I believe is what the movie was. (laughs) going back old school. Those are the days, right, guys? Um, There was this fly, and going right outside of, uh, I believe it was an ice cream shop, and there's this fly zapper, but this fly is just so attracted by this fly zapper and this light. It's just like, it's so pretty, so pretty. Zap died, right? I don't know. There's just something about light. Especially in darkness, people are so attracted to it. They're so attracted to it. I don't know. I just... I just love how Jesus characterized Christians, and he defines us by being light. Just just light is so attractive. It's so attractive. Let me me show you this scripture. I love it. In Philippians chapter 2, this is what it says. The writer says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why? Because those are two huge deterrents away from being a follower of Jesus. If you're negative, if you're argumentative, constantly complaining, constantly grumbling, I'm telling you, you will not reach anybody or influence anybody so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You'll shine among them like stars in the sky if you do so without grumbling or complaining. Let me ask you this question. Is your spirituality attractive to people? Is your spirituality attractive? This is very practical, but it's also spiritual at the same time. Is your spirituality attractive to people? Because it should be. It should be magnetic. It should be so attractive to people. See, Jesus had people following him constantly. He had people following him constantly. And this is what should define a Christian life. See, if people think they have a lot of leadership and influence and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk, is what John, John Maxwell says. You're just taking a walk by yourself. They should be, people should be flocking to you, asking you questions. You know how you can do so? You can do so in many different ways. I wrote down a few. This is just I I skipped over promote thirst uh, point, but write these four things down. One is how you talk to people, how you love people, how you post on Facebook and social media. Like you can use people, you can lead people to Jesus and attract people to you and then to Jesus by just how you post. It's so practical you I've had so many conversations, so many different times, simply by posting a scripture, posting a video, showing love to people, doing whatever I have to do. But do whatever you can. Use your social media. Lead people to Jesus. Attract people to Jesus through your social media. It can do, you can do it. You, guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can use your social media to lead people to Jesus. But is your spirituality attractive? Is it? I wrote two things down that should be literally a definition of who we should be as followers of Jesus. Number one. Christian life should be defined by joy joy you know Romans uh what is it Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 15 the wisest man to ever live Solomon he said this he goes I commend the enjoyment of life I commend the enjoyment of life he's speaking in Ecclesiastes and if you know anything about the book it's the most raw and real book ever it kind of is depressing at times honestly but he's just saying listen enjoy life y'all Romans chapter 14, verse 17 literally says it like this. For the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Christian life should be defined by joy. should be defined by happiness, enjoyment, uh, uh, just things that are not dictated by circumstances. But I got joy in my heart. I got breath in my lungs. Let me tell some of the older folk in here, some of the experienced people. Listen, if there's still breath in your lungs, there is still purpose for your life. One of my mentors said this. Hey, Dev, life gets better after 40. Things get sweeter and sweeter. Relationships get richer and richer. There gets more purpose, more vision. If God still has you on this earth, there is still a mission for you. There is still a mission for you. I hope you receive that today. You may feel sick. I've, I've met people that are sick in hospitals and have cancer and diseases, but they say, okay, now this is my mission field. Now, I may have the same sickness, but I got way more hope than them because I know the one that can provide physical healing, spiritual healing, give them hope, and give them heaven. Come on. Joy should define the Christian life. And the second thing and last thought is passion. Come on, passion. Write that down in your notes and will you stand up with me today? passion. Is your spirituality attractive? Two things that attract people more so than I think anything else is joy and passion. I'll wait till you stand. Come on, we're called to be salt and light in this community. We're called to be salt and light to our families and to our businesses, to our schools and everywhere we go. Salt and light. Ultimately it comes down to this one word influence. See when people think about Christianity or think about Christians they should always say Leaders, They should always say, that I want to be like them because they, they have what I don't have. They showcase it. Their spirituality, their passion, their love for God is so attractive, and it's passionate. They're full of joy. They're full of passion. Friends, how could you do life without passion? It is one of my favorite things to talk about. I, I feel like I, I pray I showcase it enough. But, man, God set me on fire. I love this quote. John Wesley said it. He says this. He goes, a man that is set on fire by God, people from miles and miles and miles around will come to watch him burn. Come on, is there anybody in here that has some passion, that just loves Jesus, that loves God, is thankful for God, for his grace, for the sacrifice on that cross, for his mercy that he showed you when you shouldn't have been shown any? He took your place. I heard a guy say this. He said, Jesus didn't just die for you. Jesus died as you. He took your place on that cross. Is there anybody here with some passion that says, I love Jesus. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm grateful for Jesus. Come on. Your faith should be so attractive that people from miles and miles come to watch you burn. People from miles and miles say, what is it that you have? I I might have more resources than you, I might have more stuff than you, but there's something on the inside of you that I simply cannot get, cannot have, and you get to lead people to Jesus constantly. I'm telling you, it is the greatest addiction in the world is leading somebody to Jesus. And for some of you, it's your moment right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is your moment. And you think it's an accident you came here or somebody planned this or you were invited. Listen, somebody may have invited you here, but God was ultimately the one to decide that you would be here today. And he has a purpose for you. There's a divine intervention and a plan working for you. And this is your moment. And I'm going to offer you an invitation. An invitation from Jesus. He literally walked this earth 2,000 plus years ago. And he lived a sinless, perfect life for 33 years, casted out demons, raised the dead, healed the sick, preached the word, healed blind eyes, opened deaf ears, did all he did. And then he was murdered without a cause, died for the sins of humanity, died. Buried, resurrected the third day later, indicating he was exactly who he said he was. The Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us on earth. This is not some fairy tale story that we simply proclaim up here because we're supposed to do it because of a religious duty or for historical context. No, this was a real man who loved you, who died for you, who shed his blood for you. He had you on his mind. It was not the Roman guard that kept him up on that cross. It was his love. And he died for you, and all you have to do is not earn it. You can't do that. Your works are like filthy rags, is what the Bible says. But what you have to do is accept it. So you can't achieve grace. You can't achieve salvation, but you can receive it. The Bible says if you confess with your heart and in, with your if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Make him the Lord and Savior of your life. In this moment, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up boldly and say, that's me. One, Jesus loves you so, so much, and he died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Is your eternity secure? Three, shoot your hand up if that's you. Raise it boldly. I see your hands all over the place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hands down. And would you repeat this after me? Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody say it. Jesus. I repent of my sin. Thank you for taking that from me and dying for me. You died for me. And I'm not just repeating a prayer from a preacher. I make this as a conscious decision in my heart to make you the Lord of my life, to give you everything because you gave me everything. Thank you for dying for me. You are my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I believe in you and I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray you bless every single person in this room that heard this word. I pray in Jesus' name you would invigorate them with your Holy Spirit, with your passion, with your joy, with your grace, and with your mercy. Help us to be led by God's love, that we are so full of it, we are led by it, God. I pray in Jesus' name that every single person under the sound of my voice would be blessed, Lord. Will be blessed in the name of Jesus. I pray for their finances, their relationships, their emotional health and stability. And we we understand we are blessed simply to be a blessing. Help us in Jesus' name to be the salt and light, to be influencers in our community, families wherever we find ourselves. May we be the influence to help people find true hope. We know that many things satisfy, but only one thing can fulfill, and that is the name of Jesus. And I pray today, going forward, God, we will live for you all the days of our lives, and we thank you, Jesus, for the work on the cross and for what you're doing in this moment today. In Jesus' name, and come on, everybody in here said? Amen. Thank you, guys.